0: Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Mark Finley Smith, author of the novel What He Never Said. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Pleased to be here. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel What He Never Said, how would you describe the novel? Well, I think it's inspired by some
1: classic crime. It's set just after the First World War in the days and weeks. Uh, after that disaster and there's a soldier who's returned from the front and he is interested in the death of a friend of his what has happened and he uh, was also involved with uh, someone else who may or may not have fought at the front we don't know so it's um it's set early 20th century and it's inspired a little by some of the, the the vibe of classic crime,
0: so early Christie, that kind of thing, but with different themes to those books. And so, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write "What He Never Said"? Well, there were a couple of things. I'm very interested
1: in the First World War, and I've read a lot of First World War literature. Pat Barker trilogy, regeneration trilogy. I don't know if you know that one; it's superb. So, I'm interested in that. I've been obsessed with Christie. Since I was about ten, Agatha Christie. Um, so I wanted to write a book that had a a good twist at the end. I kind of what it was. It they did it that kind of that kind of feel. But also, um, my mother had told me about an old school friend of mine who had had died in. Um, he died in a in a he was hit by a car on the street. And I hadn't heard about this, and I, and I started to think, well, I wonder, I wonder what would happen if he hadn't died, um, or if, he'd, if something else had happened. We saw him hit by a car, but maybe something else happened. Um, so those, those, all of those things came together in my head a bit,
0: uh, and the book was the result. Well, as you explained, your novel is a historical crime novel set after the First World War. I'm curious, what type of research did you do for the novel, and did you know about the conscientious objectors that uh, you write about before you started researching the book? I did. I went to a place called, I don't know
1: if you've heard of it, called Craig Lockhart in Edinburgh. I live in Scotland. And Craig Lockhart was a hospital. uh, Maybe hospital is not quite the right word. It It was a place where conscientious objectors or people who were Suffering from shell shock, or were otherwise not at the front for various reasons, were sent and you know this was this was the early days of of our understanding of shell shock and what war, particularly the First world war, could do to people's bodies and minds. So I went there and just walked around the corridors and uh, looked in the rooms where Wilfred Owen the poet and Siegfried Sassoon, the writer who famously threw his medal into the sea. That's where they were sent to be treated. So in some ways, it was a pretty brutal place, but in others, it was the beginnings of an emergence of understanding what was happening to these guys. So I did, I did that, that, that was a lot of my research. But also with conscientious objectors, I'm a journalist, I write for The Herald. I interviewed the daughter of a conscientious objector. It was the Second World War, not the first. But that really interested me. He was called Tom Burns and he refused to fight in the Second World War, but he did serve as an ambulance driver and got into some pretty hairy situations. And his daughter, Lucy, I sat down with her, and what impressed me was her pride in her father. She was very proud of what he he did. She was very proud of his decision. And also, it was interesting because there were lots of different motivations among the men and some women who refused to take part that some, some were socialists, some were pure pacifists, some were um, anti-nationalists. So it was sitting down with Lucy and talking to her and realising that these people were dismissed, punished, and sometimes shot or imprisoned during the First World War, and, this, and less to a lesser extent the Second World War. And I thought, right, okay, what did they go through? So my, one of my characters, Harry, goes through a bit of that in, in the book, you know, a lot of prejudice, a lot of uh, name-calling, and it was difficult for them, difficult for them to, during the war and afterwards, because the prejudice lingered. So yeah, bit of bit of research. Craig Lockhart is a really
0: interesting place in Edinburgh. Look it up. That's great. Well, what was your writing journey that led you to writing this novel? Well, I've written journalism since my early 20s. But I've,
1: but I've dabbled in short stories first. So I won a couple of short story competitions and that, that didn't seem quite so daunting. Main, main, they were both science fiction, actually. I'm a big science fiction fan. Uh, one, but also history. So there was a short story inspired by Ernest Shackleton, uh, the explorer. Um, and the, the story was kind of loosely based on a character, that a real person who was on his ship. And the second one was inspired by Doctor Who and was in a book of Doctor Who short stories. Uh, for people who don't know, Doctor Who is a British science fiction series. And uh, so so there was that. <laughs> and then I think like most of the novelists you've interviewed, there are many, many failed, rubbish, not very good novels in the bottom drawer. So I think I wrote, uh, there's at least two, at least two that were written that I thought were groundbreaking and astonishing at the time <laughs> sent off agents didn't agree um, <laughs> and they were right. So I think, I think, uh, yeah, this, I think what he never said is at least the third novel I've written and the editing process was astonishing as well. So I've sent it off thinking again, this is excellent. And the editor said, I, I disagree and there was lots and lots of rewriting which made it better particularly the beginning the first crucial chapter so yeah it's been a lot it's been a long journey i'm in my 50s now uh and i've probably been writing since i was a since i was a boy since I, since i was a kid and this is the first published novel so long long and arduous
0: <laughs> so are you working on a new novel now
1: yes i've got a i've got a second one planned I've got the I've got the idea of sketched sketched out, and the what I've always wanted to do be, again as a, a kind of homage to Christie, I've, I wanted to do a murder on a train. So this one it's the same character, same characters. My detective who's called the silent detective because he doesn't say very much. Uh, he has shell shock, and he's and uh, he's kind of Watson character. Harry, they're they're on a train. And there's a commotion from the carriage next door. They rush the carriage. The carriage is bloodied. There's a body on the ground. There's a man crouching over him. He says, I didn't do it and then jumps from the train. So that, that's the premise. I, I, I really wanted to do a, a, a old school <laughs> train mystery. Where, how did the murder happen? How did the guy get off the train? Uh, you know, orient express style, but, but I, I I like to explore modern themes. So so my characters are struggling with um, their sexuality, uh, which you, you know this is the nineteen but at the second time the second all it's the nineteen twenties, so it's difficult for them um, in that respect. So yeah, so it's got an old school structure with some modern stuff going on in it. But yeah, the second one is is I haven't actually written any words yet. <laughs>
0: That's great. Well, what was your writing process when you were working on this novel? Did you outline the novel extensively, or uh, was it more um, instinctual and you just dive into the narrative?
1: That's a really interesting question. A few people have asked me that. I had the central idea. So I had the central idea of the, the murder and who did it. And then I and then I just started. I thought, I need a strong first Chapter. So I, I started out with that, and then the structure changed. I, I was amazed. I know there are some writers who work to a strict structure. I didn't. Characters started to emerge that I, that I had no idea of at the start. The structure changed. Ideas changed. So I, what I tried—the only structure was trying to sit down and write at least one thousand five hundred words a day. But other than that, it changed quite a lot, and there were, there were there were a lot of agonising late nights where I thought, "How do I get from point D to point E?" So, um, I, it, it, it's, it was a growing process rather than a structured process, and quite a painful process as well. So, the second one, again, I know who di- I know the I know the, the the murder and who did it, but that's it. Uh, and I, I've got an idea of some central characters, but
0: yeah, that's great. Well. What writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? Well,
1: that, that, that's, that, that's a hard one. I would say, keep going. I would say, look for competitions. They were really helpful. A f- focus. So I looked for competitions and deadlines because they really helped. So working, working in your room on your own, thinking I'm one day going to send this to an agent. That is really hard. So, have a look at, out there for, for competitions. So the first story, uh, short story I had published was a, was a call at a competition and I was one of the runner up runners up and, and, and they published it. And the second time was also a competition called SFX writing competition. Um, so that helped, that helped a lot having a having a kind of focus, um, and having a, having a target. So that would, that would be my advice. Um, start, maybe start with short stories. Um, because, <laughs> Because if it hasn't worked out, well you haven't spent a year writing it. you've maybe spent a few <laughs> weeks. Um, and then when you get into the novel, um try and have some kind of try and have some kind of structure maybe a word target per day, and then I can't remember who said writing is rewriting, but that is very, very true. so when my novel went through I would say hundreds, probably hundreds of drafts, the first chapter, possibly thousands of drafts. Um, so keep, you know, put it in a, and then you put other writers have probably said this, put it away for a little while and then come back to it. The effect of that is amazing. Uh, something you think is good. Something you think will win you prizes, put it in a drawer for a month, ideally six months, come back and you think, what was I thinking? You've come at it a little objectively, a little more fresh eyes. So, so yeah, so ha- have a look, have a look for people who,
0: magazines, competitions, people who are actively looking for writing and go there first. That's great. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Well, I've been reading some of the,
1: uh, gay fiction that I mentioned from the 1940s because, because my novel features gay characters in the 1920s, I thought, right. Okay. Well, what, what 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 was going on then? So I read a book called, an American novel called The Fall of Valor by Charles Jackson, written in the 1940s. Not very well known now, but, but very, very good. And it's about a, a, a man who falls in love with another man. And as usual in novels with gay characters, it doesn't end well. Um, it, it reminds me of City of the Pillar by Gore Vidal, if you know that one. Um, I've been reading some classic crime. I've just finished a Niall mm-hmm. Marsh. Nile Marsh is... It, less well-known than Agatha Christie, but but from that period, she was writing from the 30s till the 1980s, I think. And um, some, I'm all, I'm always reading something about the First World War, so I, I read a non-fiction book recently, which I thoroughly recommend, called Six Weeks by John Lewis Stemple. British writer, really, really good. I think he's a farmer, so he sometimes writes about animals. He, he wrote a, a, a book about animals on the Western Front, which was just superb. But six weeks is about the experiences of officers on the Western Front during the First World War, and the six weeks refers to their average life expectancy. Amazingly, a young officer um, in the First World War would go out there and would wow. probably be dead within two months. And so, so, so that that was really, really good. John Lewis Templethwaite.
0: Wow. Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novel? Well, I'm on Twitter at, at Mark
1: Findlay Smith, Findlay with a D. You can also look for some of my journalism on the, the Herald, heraldscotland.com. You can buy the book on Amazon. And uh, yeah, uh, you just Google Mark, Mark Smith, what he never said, and you, sh- you should have some information come up there i've I've written about some of these things i I wrote an interview with the the daughter of the conscientious objector i talked about you could find that online
0: and um, my short story is unfortunately not but yeah so google (laughs) (laughs) that's great well again we've been speaking with mark finley smith author of the novel what he never said the novel is available now so go buy a copy and mark thanks for doing this interview Thank you, Jeff. Really
1: good to talk to you. I appreciate it.
0: Great. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the US, more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this?